morning, church people. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. <clears throat> We're on page uh, 21 in our study guides. Still on this uh, discipleship run. We've been on the last couple lessons. Um, good material. It's good stuff. Uh, definitely some stuff that we can use. Um, and apply to our own lives. Uh, definitely some good topics. There is a lot in this. I'm going to try to condense it and, and keep it moving uh, this morning uh, because there's a couple, there's some points in I think every section here that I'd like to try to hit on. So we're going to try to hit on those. But anyway, uh, title of today's lesson is Marks of a True Disciple. Central truth is that disciples of Christ manifest Christ like characteristics. Under Let's Get Started, it says, How do you think the world would define what it means to be a true disciple or follower of Jesus? If you were to ask people in your community how they would define a Christian, what answers do you think you would get? All right, well, let's just uh, let's let you weigh in on this this morning. How do you think people define Christianity? And I, I don't, I mean, there's, there's a lot of answers. We go a lot of different directions this way. Uh, just tell me what you think. What do you think? It's easy for us to say what it looks like to us. That's one thing. For a believer to define it. But what do you think, what do other people say? Well, it kind of depends on if they have a positive outlook of Christianity or a negative outlook. Well, get, so it let's, can go either way. Like if it's a positive, like I know for me when I'm looking at other Christians, they're generous, they're loving, they care about people. But like from that other viewpoint of people who can't stand Christians, they think they're hypocritical they think uh that they are just putting on a show or that they don't really believe the same like it, it just depends i guess okay that's good and i would say that's that pretty much embodies yeah. that um it definitely can go in a lot of different directions but it's it's there's no doubt people are opinionated right mm-hmm. um and christians are not exempt from that we're not going to try to build some sort of a an argument to, to pretend like we're not also there we're also at times judgmental and and we need to make sure that we're, we're we don't fit that that persona we need to make sure that we're we're not judgmental and that we that we're open and and uh, we follow the the correct uh, path of behavior it says in today's lesson we will discuss some important traits that two apostles Paul and John taught as marks of true disciples both apostles reflected what Jesus said when he taught your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples John 13:35 while it is God's will that everyone be saved and escape his judgment, not everyone who claims to be a Christian will go to heaven. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on just a minute here. That's a, major, that's a major statement. Um, and, and this is this also applies to the persona of, of the outside world and, and people that don't really care about Christianity. They think you people always think you're right. All you think you're, you're too good for everyone else. That's a persona. You're, you're too good for everyone else. So there's this, there's this thing that's like a truth for Christians, like a slap in the face. It's like one of the hardest things, I think, for Christians to have to swallow. The fact that the Bible says that not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's actual scripture. Now that really, that really makes you think. Because apparently we're not that good. <laughs> apparently not because the Bible's telling me that there are going to be people that think they are right and I would I would even go as far to say that even think that 
because they go to church and because they do certain things that they're in the right and that everything is going to be okay. I think that's, to me, that's going to be one of the rudest awakenings that one could ever have. Now, me, for me personally, this is the type of stuff that concerns me. I've been very open about this before. This is the type of stuff that says, you know what? It, I don't care who you are. You better be prayed up. Amen. You better be right with God. You better make sure that your relationship is right with him because it, it doesn't specify exactly scripturally how this thing is going to unfold. It just simply says that not everybody that cries to God is going to make it. Eesh. That's hard. So it's a lot of responsibility for Christians to overlook their own lives and to make sure that they're right with God. It's not about being right. It's not about being too good. And we'll talk about the good aspect of it here in just a minute. It's not about that. It's just being right in God's eyes. And I think this is probably one of the things that gets a lot of argument from, from uh, different people is that when, when people think, they say, you know, well, Christians think that they're too good. It's that Christians are following a mark. True Christians are. They're following a mark. They're shooting for something. And shooting for that pretty much tells us to disregard distraction, disregard things that try to pull us back into things that we were delivered from. And this is what gets people talking. Say, hey, y'all think you're too good. You don't want to hang around us. No, I know where I came from, though. I know, I know, I know I can't go back to that. And so focusing on the destination. Make sure that we don't fall into that place where we are one of the ones that cried, Lord, Lord, but we didn't make it. Uh, you, we've, we've talked about heaven and hell in here before. Uh, to me, there's no, <laughs> there's, no, uh, there's no compromise. I got to make it. Amen. I got to make it. And, and there's, not, there's not anything that I'm going to, or at least what I'm attempting to do, to keep me from doing that. I think it all boils down to holiness and discipline. Yep. Or discipline and holiness, whichever right. way you want to look at <laughs> yeah. it. And honestly, the discipline thing, and sometimes even the holy thing comes, it's difficult because this thing gets in the way. I see scripture over here that we're probably going down that road, mm-hmm. but it's hard to walk the spirit and the flesh. Yeah, thing. yeah, very, very difficult to do that. And like you said, yeah. you said discipline. I that's think that's part of the reason why there will be that in heaven where some people will think they're going to get in and some won't. Right. Okay, let's keep moving. This is not because God misleads people as if he is treating salvation as a game. It is also not because he makes it too hard for people to be saved. After all, we are saved by grace, not works. Everybody agree with that? Okay, so so we're saved by grace, not works, not anything that you can do. It's what he has done. Rather, people are lost because they choose not to be in a relationship with him, which is the fundamental basis of everything (laughs) That we do as Christians, and if, and if you are a self-proclaiming Christian, if you have forgotten that, that's a major piece to the puzzle. This is about a relationship with God. Really, simply put, fundamental stuff, 101, basic study. What is this thing about? It's about having a relationship with the Creator. That's what it's about. It's probably one of the most beautiful things that you could ever engage in. It is the most beautiful thing that you could ever engage in. It's just having a relationship with the Father. And, and really, the, one of the biggest problems that we've had is that we complicate the matter. We try to complicate it. We try to make it too complicated about talking to him and about praying and about why we're praying and why we're talking to him and why we have this relationship with him. We're, we complicate the matter. It's us that causes 
the issue. It's not him. I mean, you think about it. Let's go back to the basis of, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. Let's go back to the basis of where it all began, which was Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were in the garden, and he came in the cool of the evening to do what? To visit. Yeah. You think, that's kind of an odd thing for a creator to do. He, he wasn't, you think he didn't have to. He didn't have to do it that way. He, didn't, he could have ruled, you know, from the throne. But even with Adam and Eve, think about it. He came down and fellowshiped. And I don't know what that fellowship looked like exactly, but I know he did it consistently. And I just try to imagine in my mind's eye, there were responsibilities of taking care of the garden. There were things that had to be done. So he comes down in the cool of the evening, and it probably sounded something like, so, what have y'all been doing today? Tell me about your day. So they talk about struggling with the, you know, dealing with the animals and dealing with the stuff that they've been doing and all the, you know, just just the day-to-day duties. And he's like, oh, wow, yeah, we can, yeah, we can fix this and we can do this and just fellowship. Fellowship. Now, I, like I said, I don't know what, ex- what that exactly looked like, but that's what it's always been about. It's been about talking to him. It's about getting to know him. One of the greatest privileges you and I could ever have. So, uh, the Bible tells us that there is a way that we can be sure that we are true disciples. In this lesson, we will discover the characteristics that differentiate between being a Christian in name only and being a true believer. This is why this lesson is really good. This is why this lesson is, is, uh, is something that we can definitely take with us because we need to know the difference between the two. Okay, if you would, let's stand and read some scriptures. Haley, if you would. Uh, Galatians 5.16 So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love 
does not know God, for God is love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Part one, being led by the Spirit. All who love Jesus should desire to please him through the way in which they live. Such a lifestyle involves walking in response to the voice of the Spirit. For many Christians, the concept of hearing the Spirit's voice can be intimidating. All right. Well, it's not just intimidating. It, uh, for, for many people, it can become confusing. Uh, a lot of people are kind of caught up in that. They're like, well, there's a lot of different ways that he speaks, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But the, the part of the, this, these first couple sentences here, um, said, you know, just recapping there, all who love Jesus should desire to please him by the way that they live. That's actually like, it's like the first thing. That if you're, if you're saved or you're saying that I believe in God or like I want to follow God, the first thing should be I love him and I desire to do his ways. This actually is one of the things that we're seeing today as being, a, is, is being unpacked from what, what is called the so-called church. Christian, uh, the de definition of a Christian is changing. It's, it's changing every day. And so people are, are starting to, a, to adopt worldly ways and bring them into the church, and they're, they're continuing to sin and saying that they don't even necessarily have to love God anymore. God is going to automatically allow them access to heaven just because they're good or because they want to be. Or because, um, because they've uh, created uh, an ideology and created a different definition of God and say, oh, you know, I'm going to follow that. That doesn't work either. The first thing you and I have to learn is that if we're going to love God, then you have to follow his ways. Amen. One of the, this is, when we were going into section one, it, it talked about in these lessons that we're going to learn how to differentiate between a true disciple and then someone who just says they are a disciple it's one of the ways is the way you live it's the way you live it's it's uh it's everything that goes on when you're not in church <laughs> let's put it that way everything that goes on when you're not in church and so that poses the question what are you doing what are you doing you think well i'm not doing anything bad I'm going to talk here in just a minute about being good. Being good. Because the, the lesson's going to define that. It's really, it's, it's really interesting. Because we're going to learn some interesting definitions and in what is going to be the differentiating factor of whether we're followers of God or not. I think we need to know this. I think we need, not only do we need to know it, we need to be reminded of it. If we're going to call ourselves followers, we need to become face-to-face -face with what true Christianity looks like. I mean... Constantly, I mean, well, let's just keep going. There's, there's some good stuff in here. They might tend to think that only certain people have the privilege or that hearing the Spirit involves a great sign or booming voice from heaven. <laughs> Scripture records that God spoke and continues to speak in many ways. Often he spoke through a gentle whisper. So we ought to greet the idea that God speaks to us with a sense of peace rather than intimidation. One of the, one of the signs 
One of the signs that God has spoken is the gentleness of the way he approaches. There's a misconception. Uh, I, I had a friend. Actually, it was Shana. It was your brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know him. Yeah, <laughs> you know him. And I'd always tell him, I said, you need to come to church with me. He's like, man, I'll go in there and, and God's going to just strike me dead. Lightning's going to strike. Place is going to split in half. He's like, no, I can't do that. And I know that's all in fun. We were having fun with it. But a lot of times people's perception of God is that way, that there's destruction waiting on the other side due to what they have done. Actually, it's quite the opposite. There's a hug waiting. A welcoming. Welcome in. That's the God that you and I serve. That's good to know. It's good to know that. He's not looking to get on your case. Talking about hearing from God, um, this is also one of the things that I've looked for uh, in growth is the way people hear God. I've actually noticed this within my own children, uh, specifically my oldest daughter. Uh, she came to us. Uh, it's been a while now since we started noticing it, but we would have conversations and talks, and then she would, she would uh, tell me about what she had been praying about and then say that God had spoke to her. And one of the things that really stood out to me as a parent was that we had a disagreement. She had prayed, and a couple days later she came to me and said, the Lord spoke to me and said that I was wrong, and I apologize. One of the biggest things that a parent is looking for is are you really hearing the voice of God? If you can swallow your pride and you can apologize like that, I thank you for the voice of the Lord. That's a powerful thing. But here, let's flip it now. Let's take it out of my room. Let's put it in yours. The voice of the Lord or hearing from God in most cases has to do with your own personal conviction and him dealing with you. Yeah. One thing that I always shy, shy away from is when somebody always says they have a word from the Lord, they're always, they're, they always have a word from God to tell somebody else. That's fine if you're operating in a gift of the Spirit, but the majority of the time, that's not the case, and that you should be under conviction by the things God is showing you about your own life, not what God is showing you about someone else's life. It's shady material. Shady. And this is one of the things that's given Christianity a bad name, especially Pentecostal belief system. That people look at us and they think, you always got them gifts going on and, and, and there's things that I don't understand going on. And, and furthermore, there's been things said that were just flat incorrect. And it's, and it's some a bit of it's given us a bad name. So the pastor and I have talked about this many times. It, it's going to start with self-conviction. The Holy Spirit is going to deal with you as an individual first before he ever starts sending you out just start ministering, dealing with other people. And also, this is something that never ends. Yeah. Amen. Never. You don't get to a point where you're like, okay, I don't need to hear God speak to me anymore. I'm kinda, I can kind of do this on my own now. Autopilot? <coughs> no, I can assure you, you're headed for danger. Yeah. Once you finally believe that you're at a place where you do not need the Holy Spirit Amen. to guide you and to direct you. Certain trouble. So, the voice of the Lord... Hearing from him, it's very important, but it, it needs to be internalized. It's something that you have got to get yourself for your own life first. 
know that there is a real battle going on within the hearts of believers. Amen. Because we live in a fallen world, we struggle with our old nature, which wants to do evil. Can we all just admit that this morning? Amen. I mean, let's just get this out of the way. This is where the imperfection comes in. And I'm not trying to, trying to, to quote something out of, out of text here. The truth of it is, we constantly have to battle the flesh. I know what the spiritual truth is. The spiritual truth is that the old man is now uh, in control, and the old man, uh, the new man is in control, the old man's passed away. I get that, spiritually. But I still live in this physical body, which is constantly subject to temptations and to doing the wrong thing. And so it's constant war. And this is another one of those perceptions that people have garnered is because we haven't been transparent even with our own lives and about our own struggles. We try to put up a front that says, I don't have any problems. And we project that to the unsaved. And so the unsaved begin to garner this idea that y'all are perfect. Y'all think you're better than everyone else. This is where this comes from. It's because you and I haven't been honest. And the truth of it is, we're struggling. I didn't say you weren't set free. I didn't say that you didn't have the victory. I said, we're struggling. Because we're still living in this flesh. That's the truth. And so, once you face that, once you finally face the, the truth of it, it's like, that takes us in a different direction. It makes me, it makes me realize that, that I'm not invincible. Right? Are you invincible? No, there's, there's so many things that have to be mastered and so many things that have to, be, um, to worked on, be worked on every single day. Amen. And so it's just it's a, it's a constant thing, and we never get to the place where we, we, we can say, I've gotten past it. I don't have that problem anymore. No, I think the best thing to do with earning people's trust for Christianity is being honest. It's like, I have to have God every single day to make it through this. Amen. Yeah, there's been some things I've been delivered from. Thank God for those things. Amen. But you know what? There's some things that I hadn't been delivered from, and I'm still dealing with them. Amen. Amen. That's honesty. That's truth. That's transparency. Let's be transparent. Okay. Um, what was it? Okay. And we are no match for this struggle within ourselves, but the Spirit gives us the strength to pursue godliness. With the help of the Spirit, we can follow the voice of the Lord as we are led by Scripture, as well as still small voice of the Spirit. How does our behavior affect our relationship with God? It is important for Christians to remember that bad behavior is simply a symptom of the state of a person's heart. And when I'm... The lesson didn't really define this. When we're talking about bad behavior, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about making mistakes. I'm talking about just like a, a, a lifestyle that's not conducive to Christianity, okay? So we talk, talk about bad behavior, state of a person's heart. If a person is living a lifestyle marked by such acts as sexual immorality, witchcraft, selfish ambition, and divisive words and actions, it is clear that the individual is not in a relationship with Jesus. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's biblical. I didn't, I didn't make that up. And here's the thing. This is what is, is stirring people up is when you tell them this. This is what's stirring people up. You say, listen, I know you want to go to heaven or you have this idea of heaven, but listen, the Bible is telling us that sexual immorality, witchcraft, uh, selfish ambition, uh, uh, divisive words, these are people 
that are not in a relationship with the Father. I'm not talking about making a mistake. We all make mistakes, right? Yeah. Transparency, remember? We all make mistakes. I'm talking about our living in a lifestyle that does these things. So when we present this as being the truth, this is what gets the argument started. Because people are defending an idea. See, this is more than an idea. These are biblical facts given to us to be able to follow and to go by. This is what, this is what separates. This is Here comes the separation we're separating when we consider these things. Go ahead, Julie. Um, I was around someone a while back that was saying things and, and doing things, and I said, well, you know, we can't be doing those things. We can't be saying those things. And they said, well, God gave us a sense of humor. <laughs> and it's okay, and he understands. And I'm like, well, that's not biblical. Yeah. You know, and I, I there was the scripture or whatever, but I mean, a call, you know, you got to call it out what it is. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's... You have excuses to be able to do it. That right there, what you said, too, that is actually one of the more prevalent things that we're seeing today is God understands. Mm -hmm. It's that quote. God understands. He gets it. He understands how I am. This is the truth. He does understand how you are, but he didn't die for nothing. Yeah. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. He died for something. He's like, well, he understands me. So he, so he just died on, God sent a son, he just died on the cross just for fun? Say, so no, he did it so we could, we could go to heaven. Sure, but where's repentance for what we've done wrong? That's, that's what we're seeing unpacked today is that's being unpacked from uh, Christianity is that, that, yeah, I recognize that there was a Jesus. I recognize that he went to the cross. I recognize all those things. But it's almost like people are creating this idea of God that he died for their freedom to do what they want. Not died for the repentance of sin and the recognition that they have done wrong. I can, let me tell you, church. Uh, there can't be no there, in life period you use some life advice in life period there can't be any moving forward in any of your relationships in anything that you do if at, at some point in time you can't realize that you're wrong that's just life advice uh, aside from the fact that you have to come to grips with the fact that you've sinned against the holy God that's huge but you th I, I, it blows me away but I'm starting to understand why people aren't seeing it that way because they've come up in a culture, they're coming up in a culture where nobody's wrong anymore. Nobody's wrong. Unless you're right. <laughs> unless, yeah, unless you're right. People are creating their own rights. Now, that's some dangerous stuff if you can create your own rights. And it's easy that way. It's comfortable. As a matter of fact, it just flat feels good to be able to create my own mark and just say, you know what, I, this, this is what's right over here. I'm going to go after this. God did not die for nothing. He did not send his son. This is, it, was, it was God. He did not die for nothing. So we have to consider that. When you consider the, the trail, that you can call it a breadcrumb trail, you can call it whatever you want, the trail that leads back to the cross, it's going to require repentance and a recognition that we've done some wrongs. We've made some mistakes. And he's the only one that can actually pardon us. It is an equal mistake to say that good behavior will unite us with, with God. Oh, there it is right there. It's an equally equal mistake that somehow good things, being good is going to 
get us to heaven. Good behavior is a reflection of the heart. When we accept Jesus as Savior, we receive a new nature, which allows us to cultivate our spiritual roots through a growing relationship with God. We just talked about a relationship, right? Having a relationship with Him. So what this is is the cultivation of doing the right thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of change the wording here because that's what it's saying. It's a cultivation of doing the right thing because before then, you didn't know how to do the right thing. But then now you've come to God and you've met the one who actually created the standard for the right thing. Now you can figure out what the right thing is. It is a lifelong process. Amen. I'm, I've, been, I've been saved since I was 16 years old. I started preaching the word when I was 18. And I am no closer to finding the end of this thing than you are. <laughs> still looking, still trying to figure it out, still making mistakes, still upset with myself, still frustrated over tripping over the same stuff, trying to pick myself back up, move on forward, because one day, whether you like it or not, all of your lives are going to end. You're not going to be here. I'm not going to be here. Nobody's going to be here. And you're going to be left with this one thing. This one thought. I want you to think about this. It's going to be you and him. It's going to be you and him. You're going to have to meet him at some point in time. And you want it to be in the context that you are striving to live for him. You're, you do not want to stand before him and have to answer for not living for him. We're all going to have to face him at one point. All of us. Well, some people might get the idea that Jesus died for our sins, and he did. Mm -hmm. But he didn't just die for the ones that you're repented of when you got saved. Right. There you he go, died Jim. for the other ones, too, but yep. you've got to repent of them, too. That's right. That's good. It's not a one-time repentance. That's right. That's good. Because all through your life, you've got to repent. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good, Jim, because... Every day, I every, have to. Yeah, every day. Well, let's do this. How many of you make mistakes every day? All right. It's kind of unanimous. I mean, we all make mistakes. Uh, flat, at times, just we flat out sin. Separate ourselves from God. Um, say things, things that come out of our mouth that shouldn't come out of our mouth. And we're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And then it's like, okay, I need to apologize to this individual for saying that, but you know what I need to do is I need to go before my God and I need to, I need to ask for forgiveness because... I knew better than that. I shouldn't have done that. Rebecca? There was a time when we first started coming to church and everything, and um, I had kind of slipped a little bit. But it was like immediately, like the Holy Spirit was scolding me, and I it was like the worst scold I've ever felt, <laughs> ever. And I remember just bawling and just... You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I mm. felt like he was just striking me down, but he was like, no, you know better than that. But, yeah. I mean, I called Cam, and he's like, she's like, the Holy Spirit, she, he's just working with you, you know, because he knows. Yeah. But I think for being saved, that hit me hard, you know. Like, it was worse than my father yelling at me for something oh, yeah. for a child. No doubt. I'll Agreed. Never, I'll never forget that scold. <laughs> and that's that's something you know. As as believers, we need that, right? We need to be. We need we need to be hit. We need to be scolded. We need to be shown. All right, let's keep moving. Christians do not go to heaven because they are good. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Rather, it is because of their relationship with God that godly actions will follow. So where to go? 
Okay, godly actions will follow. Let's put it. Let's put it in order. Where do godly actions come into play? After you meet him. Then, because of the relationship that you have with him, it produces different activity on your part. Probably due to conviction and being shown certain things. Like, oh, you shouldn't do these things. And so, you veer off. You cannot, the, it, doesn't, it doesn't work in this order. Actions first, meet God second. Now, I've heard that. I've invited, you invite people to church before, they say, now, I can't go to church with you because I need to clean up my act before I come. It's like, okay, but it doesn't work that way. Because he already knows your act's messed up. <laughs> he, he, already, he already gets it. He already, he already knows the act is not there. And so, so what we have to do, we come in and we, we bring the garbage and we bring the stuff. He already knows what you're carrying anyway. He already knows. So you bring it in and you, have, you start to have realizations. I might be wrong. And then that's when the most good is done. Because now you can make a change, not from your mind, not because you think you need to make a change, but from the heart. And now you're you're steering in the direction that the Holy Spirit has now shown you. He said, hey, this is wrong. Now I'm gonna, I need you over here. And you go that direction, and that's what pleases God. That's, what, that's, that's what's beneficial to you and I. Yeah. No, the, the Lord's told me to stop watching Marvel movies, stop watching Star Wars and all that. And then all this junk happens with Disney, and I'm like, okay, I see what you're, where you're going with this. But at the time, I'm like, I didn't see it, and I'm like, man, I don't want to watch my Star Wars movies. I like those things. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to watch Marvel movies. I love those movies. And then now the junk with Disney, and mm-hmm. and they're all every one of those things are connected to that, and they're standing for yeah. the same thing. And I'm like, right. okay, so absolutely. And even though he told me a couple years before that, I didn't get it, and I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, after. After Marvel and that incident, I'm like, all right, you want me to drop Star Wars, I'll drop Star Wars. I didn't ask any questions. <laughs> but what's interesting, too, though, is you'll notice, probably the same way that I've noticed throughout the years of being under conviction, is that he will try to show you before you actually see the reason. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been through this before. He'll convict you about something, but you keep playing with it. You keep playing with it. And then it bites you. And he's like, I told you it was going to bite you. Yeah. I told you that wasn't right. And then I'm looking back thinking, man, why did I listen to you when I had the chance? But yeah, if, if, if the Holy Spirit knocks on your door and he's like, hey, you need, to, you need to veer off, there's a reason. It's good, Sean, thanks. The fact that the fruit of the Spirit is singular tells us Paul never intended his readers to select a particular fruit and work on getting better at it. The nine fruit represent the type of behavior that will naturally grow in a Christian's life. We cultivate fruit through ongoing communication with and obedience to God. As a result, we will be filled with love, joy, peace, etc., this is the essence of Jesus' statement that people will know Christians by their love for one another. We've been talking about this in here. We've been talking how important love is. You are known by the way that you love. Love is the greatest gift of all, correct? Amen. I mean, it's more than the gifts, more than all the things. The greatest thing that you can be given is love. And so, to me, it's just me, this is the, that's the kind of stuff that makes me just put the Bible down for a minute and say, wait a second here. Because if, if, if what you're telling me is true, and I believe it, I believe what the Bible says, if you're telling me that love it needs to be something that is exemplified, something that is shown to really be the determining factor of whether you are a true Christian or whether we are posers, are we actually the people that we say that we are? That's, that's, that's strong stuff. Because 
love is at the right of the center of it. And I would tell you that it seems to me that in our society today, people are struggling desperately with the proper view of love. Amen. I'm going to go as far as to say that Christians are struggling with this also. And we need to reevaluate our love. And I've said it before, and I'm saying it again as a reminder. For me, we have got to reevaluate our love factor. Where, where, where is our love factor? Because that is the deciding factor on whether we're really following him or we think we are. That's, that's some strong stuff. It really is. Okay. Um, while a Christian will never be perfect in this life, God calls us to say no to the flesh and say yes to the Holy Spirit. We can live such a transformed life only by willingly hearing and obeying the voice of the Spirit. Very good. All right. Section 2. Section 2. Stop sinning. <laughs> John drew, yeah, it's just straight up title. John drew a contrast between those who are the children of God and those who are not. Some people say that all humans are children of God simply because he created them. But the scripture teaches differently. Salvation makes us God's children, and only God's children are ex, uh, will experience everlasting life with them. All right, so let's differentiate that real quick. There is the created, okay? There's the created that's being born into this world. You are a creation. God has created. You come from a, a blueprint, so to speak. You were created. But then you are born again, right? Born again. This is what was, was uh, said as the qualifying thing in order to reach heaven was you had to be born again. First, you're just a creature. You're a created creature. Yes, were you created by God? Whether you're saved or unsaved, you were created by God. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're a creation. But you don't know him. And then you're born again. Once you meet him, repent of your sins, and ask him to be the Lord of your life, now you are born again, and now you're one of his children. That's how that works chronologically. So we have to understand that, that once again, there's also this belief that we're all God's children. No, we're not. I'll argue that. We were all created by him, but Amen. we are not all his children. Amen. There's a difference. We need to know the difference. <laughs> living a lifestyle of sin or li living a lifestyle marked by godliness is a reflection of one's relationship with God. Yes, it is. <laughs> a reflection, godliness is a reflection of one's relationship with God. All of humanity either are offspring of God or offspring of the devil. That's something that's hard for people to fathom. Because they're like, hey, 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 hold on a second here. I don't, I'm not running around with a pitchfork doing satanic worship and all of those things. I'm not of the devil. Well, that's not necessarily the pre-qualifier of being a uh, student of the devil. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the thing, listen, the, the thing that is the pre-qualifier of being uh, someone who is doing Satan's work is somebody who denies the son. Yeah. That's, well, that's what that is. So we got to get out the misconceptions about what that looks like. We've been watching too many cartoons. <laughs> you know, dancing around a cauldron, you know, saying crazy stuff. We're like, oh, I would never do anything like that. I'm sure you wouldn't. But nevertheless, we need to know the difference between what a follower of God looks like and what a follower of the devil looks like. And you can be just as good. You can be the best person, best person on in your town, in your city. 
But if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you have not repented of your sin, you got to be following someone. Yeah. And if you're not following him, then you're following him. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people get upset when you mention that. They're like, no, 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 no. That's not true. I don't know. You better look back at the Bible. Let's go back and look at what, he, what the Bible says about that. Okay. So if, if people live as children of the devil, no matter what they claim, they are not God's children because his children will reflect his character. That's good. The Apostle John said that it is impossible to be God's child and yet continue to live in sin. Good stuff. Jesus said, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus came to earth to free people from sin. If we place our faith in Jesus, the power of sin has been broken in our lives. Amen. Through the work of the Spirit, we have the strength and wisdom to live as children of God. You can do it. That's what the scripture is saying. You can do it, but not in your strength, in his. It's, it's not about what you can do. It's about what he can do through you. And, and the truth of it is, is that are you up against things that you cannot overcome? Right now, I'm talking about you individually, like right now, today, this morning, things personally that you are dealing with. You're dealing with stuff this morning in your own personal life that you cannot overcome on your own. You just cannot do it. It's gonna have to, it's gonna be him. And if it's not him, you're not gonna make it. Yeah. That's just the truth. And, and we we put so much responsibility, it's 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 kind of crazy too, because we put so much weight on our own shoulders. And and it didn't it didn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. God's God wants to take those burdens, He wants to take the weight. And he wants to help you through what you're dealing with. But we have to have the realization, I can't do it on my own. And sometimes it's simple as a confession. Yeah. Like, and I'll give you an example. It's like, um, you know, I've, I've struggled with certain things. And, and um, I've had more than one experience where I had, I had come down and I began to pray. And, and not necessarily here, but at the house. And, and, and I began to pray. And you know what was beyond me? It was beyond me that I hadn't realized that I hadn't even prayed about it. Up to the point where it was just pinching, like like just pinching me. And I had realized that I had, it, it was just all up in here. I was struggling mentally. I was dealing with it. I was depressed. I was dealing with all these things. And I, and I hadn't even realized that I hadn't actually brought him, taken to him, talked to my best friend about what I was dealing with. Amen. And so I come to him. I said, Father, I got a mess here. <laughs> I got a mess. And I, I kind of created it for myself. And I'm feeling pretty depressed. Confession. Yeah. And I'm feeling pretty upset about these things. And as I began to pour that out, I felt the Holy Spirit come. And he was right there. And he listened to every word that I said. You know, I just had a conversation. And you know what? I felt so much better when I got up from that. Because now he, now, not that he didn't know, but now I have let him in to a place in my heart that at one point I was not allowing him. I had locked it away. I was dealing with it, you know. I'm gonna carry this weight. I can handle it. No, you cannot. You cannot handle it without him. You have to have him. Earlier in John's epistle, John said that a person who claims to be, a, uh, to be sinless is a liar. As Christians, we are imperfect and will sin at times, but the Holy Spirit is faithful to make us aware of our sin and draw us to repent. That's his job, right? What's, he, he draws us to truth, correct? So if he's going to draw you to truth, then you're going to have to see when you are wrong. 
because that's what he specializes in. <laughs> You'd say, he specializes in telling you you did the wrong thing. He chastises the ones he loves. Yes, he does. So that's a good thing, right? You're being chastised, that's a good thing. Thankfully, God will forgive us. However, if we continue to practice sinful behavior, ignoring the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we do not reflect our relationship with God. When this occurs, we will naturally grow cold toward the Lord, and eventually we risk turning away from God entirely, at which point we can no longer call ourselves Christians until, I'm going to continue this, until you come back and you repent. Jim, Jim said it. You can't just repent one time and walk away from the thing and be like, all right, I'm good now. There's, there's going to be repentance numerous times. I've uh, uh, just There has to be. Sadly, there are people who try to justify sinful behavior. Even some spiritual leaders look the other way when people gossip, live immoral lives, or otherwise follow the way of sin. False teachers defend their error by noting that people are saved by faith rather than good works. While it is true that we are saved by faith, true faith in Christ will produce right actions. Well, that's what the lesson's about, church, is it's, it's about producing fruit. You know, this is one of the things we're learning through these lessons is you, you should be producing some fruit if you're following the Lord. I, I, don't, I don't have to judge you. You say, well, you're judging me. Actually, I'm, I'm told not to judge you, but I'm told to pay attention to the fruit you're producing. Yeah. I got to pay attention to that. So, not only the fruit that you're producing, but the fruit that I'm producing. And we start producing the wrong fruit, it's got to be called out. It's got to be called for what it is. And so, we're see if you see that in your life, if you're if you're following God, then it should produce right actions. The Bible teaches that we must love God with our whole beings. Our behavior should follow this belief. Those who teach otherwise appeal to the flesh, which leads to destruction. Some people would not appreciate John's bluntness, but he was clear that those who live in sin are the offspring of Satan and will spend eternity with him. Those who are the children of God will do what is right and will love God and love others. Well, remember what we said at the beginning. We said that this is a heaven and hell issue, right? Yeah. And that's, that is, that's the gripping point right there. That's where you really start, it starts to get real serious because it said that they're the offspring of Satan and will spend eternity with him. Hell was not actually created for you. It was created for Satan and the demons and the imps, and that's why it's so bad. An awful place. Awful place of darkness and separation from God. If you look into it, if you'll just consider it, there are things right now this morning that you are enjoying simply because God exists. Amen. You're enjoying them right now as privileges. You are enjoying them simply because he exists. If you want to get technical about it, the reason you're enjoying them is because the Holy Spirit is on earth. Amen. And that is it. One of those things is peace. You may say this morning, you say, I don't feel very peaceful. But you can. Yeah. And the reason you can is because he's here. You say, well, I, my life is kind of a mess. I got some issues. I got some things going on. That's understandable. But the kinks can be worked out because he's present. Right? Yeah. And you know that, too. If you think about it, you even know it within yourself. I need to get this taken care of. But imagine this. Imagine being put in a situation such as hell that the kinks can't be worked out. Imagine that you are in a situation that will never be fixed. In that all of the times that you had sat in church or had, been your, had your heart knocked on and God tried to enter your heart but you refused it, think about that because there will come a time when people are eternally separated from God and that there will be no more chances. 
That should, that should make Christians tremble. Because that's truth. Being separated from God eternally and not ever being able to get the kinks worked out. And that whatever state that you're in, depression, uh, those, those severe emotions that we deal with, they can be worked out here, but they cannot be worked out down there. In fact, they'll even be magnified. Okay. Let's move to section three, love one another. We got some time. We made it. Love is a gift and a quality that God gives people who accept Christ as Savior. Godly love is the ultimate demonstration of the Christian faith because God is love. It is, in a sense, his most defining characteristic. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is the defining characteristic of God is love. Not only that, but the way that you love other people is going to be the defining characteristic of whether we're actually following them or not. Now, I sh listen, I think we all struggle with this. I think we all struggle with this. I'm not telling you to give people free passes in life and just ignore all the bad things that are done to you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is a very pivotal thing biblically, and Christians have got to get a hold of this. Because if we're going to receive forgiveness from the Father, then we have to learn how to forgive other people. Biblically, we can't receive even forgiveness for ourselves if we can't give forgiveness to other people. Now, to me, I see that as problematic. <laughs> that's, that's problematic. Because what that, makes, what that does is, is that forces me to pay very close attention to the relationships that I have in my circle right now. That makes me pay attention to them. That makes me zero in and, and go one by one and make sure that I am not carrying bitterness against someone else for what someone else has done to me. Because if I am, there's a chance that that could cause a separation between me and God. Because he's telling me you can't get forgiveness. Think about it. Think about it if you've got, let's just hypothetical. Let's say you got about you got three people in your life, you just can't stand them. Some of you are like, just three? <laughs> okay, 10 or 8 or whatever. And you're praying consistently, all right? You're praying consistently. But you got these people have wronged you. You know, there's some, been some things going on, and you've got some, you've got some hard feelings. Now, I'm not saying it happens immediately. I don't even fully know the process. But I do know God's word, and God's word tells me that if I can't forgive others, he can't forgive me. Now think about all the times that you've went to him and you asked for forgiveness for your sins, but because of your bitterness, maybe you weren't getting the forgiveness you thought you were getting. Maybe. Maybe we've hold bitterness and it's so normal to us to be upset with people that it's it, it becomes a part of who we are and we don't even think about it anymore. Yep, they wronged me. I'll cut them out of my life. I don't need them anymore. I don't know how I'm going to stand before him and give account for that. That's going to be a problem. I guarantee it's going to come up. He's not, it isn't like, oh, we're going to just, eh, well, no, nah, don't worry about that. Come on into heaven. You're good. That's the kind of God that everybody wants. But God has a standard, and a standard has to be followed. And so if I have bitterness in my heart against someone, i got to get it taken care of. i got to figure it out. Trina, go ahead. I just want to say, Haley and I had this conversation going to Ardmore a couple of weekends ago. And I... Being younger in my life and stuff, you know, people always say, oh my gosh, you can just walk all over her. And I don't want anyone in here to think they can walk all over me. Sure. But I'm telling you, basically can. 
because I go by the scripture of the 77. That's seven times you can give me 77. And I just, I don't mean it in a mean way, but I just give people free reign on me because if I don't, I understand where you're coming from, and I know what you mean by that. I know what you mean by that. I live my life. You know, people just keep on, keep on coming, and people are like, where do you put this? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't. I just give it to God, and God's going to take these people off of me. And every time somebody's done me wrong, I've just sat back, and I'm like, boy. Yep. And it plays out for me. I don't. It's like that saying, you give somebody enough rope. Mm-hmm. They're gonna hang themselves. I just say you give them enough word, and they're gonna eventually. I'm gonna <laughs> that's good. And that's that's good. where I live my life because you have to get these people off you because yeah. if you don't, you're just balled up and you're that angry person. That's really good because you're talking about you know the choice to to remain free or to take on weight, yeah. and I think that's a really good example because yeah. she's she's giving us some good teaching this this morning just on how to handle those situations because. Most of the time, we don't even think about letting it go until we're okay with it. We're like, nah, you know, I'm not going to let that go right now. I think I'm going to hold on to that for a little while. Now, did you have your hand up? I'm sorry. Yeah, I go ahead. held on to something for 10 years, and I had a friend, the one that actually got me back into church, said, you know, Mary, you're just hurting yourself, not her. Mm-hmm. You can forgive, but you don't have to forget. Mm-hmm. And don't have to put yourself in that situation. That's really good, and I think I think that you you mentioned a truth there too. That's in, that's absolutely impossible. It's you cannot forget. No. No. You can't forget, and and I think I think people think that somehow you're not. There's been Christians even think that they're not godly enough if if you have it come back to your mind. It's going to come back to your mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But we got to know where to put it. That's right. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Okay, we're just we're almost out of time. Okay. Where was that? People who do not know God can offer a type of love, but it is not pure. Godly love, because it is uh, its source is fleshly. Godly love compels us to see others as people made in God's image. Such is a selfless love that views every human being from an eternal perspective. All right, see, eternal perspective, right? Because you realize that that soul and your soul are all have the same opportunity to make it. And, and, and what might even blow you away is the person that you can't stand the most, that you think has done you the most wrong, if they have repented to God and made amends with the Lord and made amends with you, no matter how mad you are, they're going to heaven and you're not. Yeah. Now, if that don't make you mad, I don't know what won't. But that's, that's some stuff to really make you think about how profitable is my bitterness, how profitable is my anger. No, no profit whatsoever. All right, I'm almost out of time. God's grace and mercy as seen through sending Jesus to earth for our salvation should be displayed in our lives regardless of how others treat us. All right, I'm going to close it down right there. Um, Yeah, people are going to treat you bad. It's inevitable. And there's a bit of our nature, obviously, that that wants to defend defend ourselves. And and, uh, there is a way to do it. There is a way to defend yourself. There's a way to go about everything, but out of respect and out of love. And so we talked about some really good stuff uh, this morning. There, there's, there's some stuff about here about true discipleship. What does that really look like? I'm encouraging every one of you to, to think about, meditate on. If you've got books, go back through those and think about the things that are, are separating real Christianity from fake Christianity. Let's make sure we're authentic. Let's be transparent people. Let's be honest with other people about our place. And let's be honest with ourselves. Amen. Out of time, guys. God bless you. Thanks.